0: just lift up your hands towards heaven right now maybe your situation wasn't worried today but I just want you to know that you don't have to wait on the pastor to call out what you need if you're in his presence which you are why don't you just reach up and receive whatever it is that you need for him right now you don't need a pastor to call that out you call it out for yourself and receive whatever it is that you need from his presence right now we thank you, Father. Help us to be more aware, not just in church, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because you promised you'd never leave us nor forsake us, So wherever we are, you are there. Help us to be more aware of it, in Jesus' name, Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to be encouraged today. The Spirit of God can do more in five minutes in your heart and in your life than a pastor can do in 50 minutes of preaching the Word of God. You don't have to wait to come to church to create this presence. You can turn on your own worship music right at home in your own study time. And you'll find that this atmosphere can be present right in your home. You can receive whatever you need whenever you need it. Because God is everywhere. As long as we're everywhere, God is everywhere. If you would, just love on someone today. It's just a sweet spirit in this place today. Just love on them. Speak life. Encourage them. Thank you, music department, praise team, band sweet, sweet spirit in this place today it is the presence of the Lord praise God you can be seated thank you for that, (laughs) thank you God, we'll just leave that alone. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing, but I know it's good. <laughs> if he's doing it, I know it's good, <laughs> and it will produce good results. We started a series a couple of weeks ago entitled Grow, and I'm convinced at the end of the day, this is the deal. It's whether or not we're growing in Christ. It's all that matters at the end of the day is are we better today than we were yesterday. Are we better this week than we were last week? Are we better this month than we were last month? And are we better this year than we were last year? At the end of the day, that's why Christ saved us so that we can grow up in him. When we grow up in him, then our lives begin to look just like he designed for them to look. And of course, he gets all the glory, the honor, and the praise from that. We're going to move on to our next grace today, which is knowledge. And so let's do a quick uh, review, which is our introduction. And so uh, we've seen that if you, if you have your U version Bible app, please follow along with the notes that are present. Go to the events section. Uh, type in linked up church. All the notes are right there. I think you'll get the, the topics or the headings up here. And then all of the the notes uh, with those will be right on that Bible app so that you can keep along and also take additional notes with that. So uh, in our introduction, there's six points we want to cover. We've seen that growing, number one, in the knowledge of Jesus is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. And so that begins with the foundation of faith. So it starts with faith, which is trust and conviction. Number three, then we have to add the element of virtue, which we learned on last week is striving for excellence. So once we really find out what God's word says, I mean, we have to desire to excel in that. It's not enough to just know it. We want to be excellent in what we know, and which makes sense because when you add knowledge to that, you'll see how those all have to work together for us to really model the growth that God has designed and desired for us. And then it says to faith and virtue. Number four, we're told to add knowledge from Second Peter chapter one verse five. We'll read that in a moment. And this makes sense because in Second Peter chapter 1 verse 5, uh, it tells us here, uh, but also for this very reason, given all diligence, he said, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. Well, why does this make sense? Number five, what good is it to have conviction or faith and the desire to excel? Number six, unless we know where to focus our faith and channel our virtue. So now we know that what this is really all about, folks, is not using faith and excellence to get things. It's really to channel all of that in the direction of our relationship with God. And this is going to be so key today. Most of us are raising children. How many of you know children will do what you want them to do so that they can get what they want? That means you have a relationship with them. Okay, that's one, one good amen I heard on that front row. Come on now, that's real. Right, and because and, we don't live with them, we're not with them when they go to school. Yeah. But really, who they are when they're not with us is who they really are. Yeah. On, right, and so they'll come home, do what we want them to do so they can get what they want. But that doesn't mean that the relationship is intact. Right. All right, and so this is what I want you to understand today. We can have faith, we can want to excel in it, but at the end of the day, what he wants is the relationship to be right. Does that make sense to everyone in the room? So that you can know the why behind what you're doing. Motive is everything with God. See, why do I have faith? Why do I want to excel in it? Because I want to make God look good. I want to make Jesus famous. I want to show everyone what it's like to have an awesome relationship with their Savior. Right? So that the whole world will desire to have what we have. And now what we tell them is not more powerful than what we show them. We can say, this happened because of my relationship with Jesus. This is where he's going with this, okay? So now, therefore, knowledge is an essential element in growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So while it may sound redundant, there's a subtle difference in two words translated for knowledge in our text today. And really, in the entire New Testament, from the book of Romans, there's really only two words used for knowledge, and we're going to look at both of those today, and both are used in our text. They're really the same, but they're slightly different. It's different. So we're going to look at seven aspects of this today. Let's start with number one. Let's look at the definition of knowledge, okay, the definition of knowledge. Peter uses the word epignosis in the phrase, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 2, 3 and 8. So let's look at those together. In all three of those texts, it's the word epignosis that's used for knowledge, and we'll define what that means in a moment. In verse 2, he says, "Grace and peace be multiplied to you," but then he tells you how. In the knowledge or epignosis of God, And of Jesus, our Lord. So we can have grace and peace multiply, but we can't have it without a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Can you all see that? All right. And so that's that word epignosis. Verse 3, he says, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, it's a slight change, folks, but it's major. You remember, most of us have learned faith through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That is the Old Testament. Come on, Pastor right? And so the Old Testament was laws and rules, right? And so most of us, the way we learned it is do this and God will do that. Right? And so we go through our checklist. Do I have, Have I forget? is there anybody, this ain't working. Does it, you know, all of this stuff. And we get into works and we miss out on the relationship. Yeah. Right? And then when it doesn't work. We say, what's wrong with it? I did everything they told me to do because all your faith was in your work and not in your relationship. So you'll see on this side of, of, of grace, right, which starts at the book of Romans, he says, I've already given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness, but it's not automatic. It's said it's through a relationship with me. Right? We all understand this. We're raising children, right? We, I'll use my son as an example. He knows there are four requirements for us. And he can get a car, right? So I took him out. uh, He just turned 16 on Saturday. I took him out, let him sit in his his dream car. And I said to him, that's your car. That's yours. It's already been provided for you, son. Now, what's going to determine the depth of our relationship is if he fulfills the requirements. See, it would be wrong for me to just give it to him without a relationship. And it'd be even more wrong for me to think we have a relationship and he's not doing what I ask him to do. Right? So two of the four requirements for him are still undone. But he's got time. Now, it's interesting. After he got back from sitting in that car behind that wheel, that boy came home a different boy, didn't he? That boy said, can I mow the lawn? (laughs) Because, see, part of this is he's got to save a couple of thousand dollars. Or $1,000, I'm sorry. He's got to save that. I mean, a lot of adults can't save $1,000. So so, so the drill is not about him having to save that before we can buy the car. It's teaching him how to save money. You're not going to get the car you want without all A's. So I made sure I showed him some other cars. Anywhere in between here you can land. But watch this. The choice is his. So I've already provided, but it's going to be through his relationship. Does this make sense to anyone? So I need you to understand, everything you're worrying about, he's already provided for you. Right? And so instead of spending time worrying about that, why don't I just continue to work on my relationship with him? Okay? Is this making sense to anyone in the room? All right, let's keep traveling because this will make so much sense to you today. Then, well, uh, that pertains unto life and godliness, but he said it's through the knowledge of him that has called you to glory and virtue. Now, again, this would make sense to us. I, I won't turn there, but I'll partner it with another verse Romans chapter 8, verse 36. Verse 32, I'm sorry. The Scripture says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, right? So I really shouldn't make a statement like that if there's not another witness in the Scripture that confirms exactly what I I just said. So if you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it says, How shall he not, if, if he spared not his own son, then how shall he not with his own son freely give you all things? Is that not what it says? Romans chapter 8, verse 36. If he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So I, I need you to understand if he killed his son for you, what's a job? What's a spouse? Come on, what's healing your body? Come on, what's paying your bills off? Come on, we got to come up in our thinking. We're out here worried about stuff that's already taken care of. But if I don't know, then I'm going to worry. So information is important. So the word epignosis by definition means to become thoroughly acquainted with, to know thoroughly and to know accurately or to know well according to Thayer. Such knowledge comes only as we demonstrate All eight of the Christ-like graces in our lives, which we will see over the next several weeks, is a process. You don't get all of this at one time. You develop these over time. That's why he kept using the word diligent through a diligent pursuit. If you only hear this on Sundays, that's how you'll grow over the course of the year. But if you want to grow faster and grow stronger, then you'll study every day. Right? And so you determine this. And so... um, so that's epignosis. Number 2, knowledge or gnosis adds a different element. Knowledge knowledge or gnosis adds a different element. So Peter used the word gnosis when he tells us to add knowledge to virtue. In verse 5, let's all look at that together. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he doesn't use epignosis, which means to become thoroughly acquainted with, right? He uses the word gnosis here. He says, but also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue to virtue gnosis. A little different here. Let's look at that. The word gnosis means a seeking to know. An inquiry. And I love this word according to Vines. Investigation. Whitecliffe says this word conveys the normal idea of knowledge or epignosis, but it also adds an awareness through study. And I like this word right here, experience. And so I like to liken it to a relationship. You know, when I was dating my wife, We were going through epignosis. We were becoming acquainted with each other. Right? And, And what you'll learn, while dating, everyone puts their best foot forward. It's not until we marry them and we live with them that we enter over into gnosis. Why? Because now we've got to investigate a little further to understand why they responded that way, right? Because while we were dating, they didn't respond that way. Now, all of a sudden, we're married. Where did this come from? That will require some investigating. Watch this. Now that we're married, it's interesting when you're dating, we go back our separate ways. So we can disagree about something, but she going back to her place, I'm going back to my place. We don't have to see each other. Now when we disagree, we're right there. Can't go nowhere. Hello, somebody. So so now we're getting ready to experience each other at a different level. Right? I like to liken epignosis as getting acquainted with Jesus. A lot of times that's through what other people tell you about him. Coming to church. Hearing a message. Thank God for that. Right? Reading somebody else's book. But you're reading someone else's gnosis and hearing someone else's gnosis when it's epignosis to you. Are you listening? Right? It doesn't become gnosis to you until you take it home and study it for yourself. Then we'll stop saying the, the, the apostle told me, the bishop told me, the such and such said, right? We'll say, no, God said to me. Because now I know him, gnosis, for myself through my own investigation And I have my own experience with him that I don't have to be moved by what other people are telling me about him. Is that clear with everyone in here? This is so important, right? So we're talking about a whole deeper level of your relationship with God. Coming to church is one thing. Let's thank God for that. We should do that. But it cannot stop there. What happened at church was epignosis. You heard, you became acquainted with. It doesn't become gnosis until you take these same notes home. Now you want to know him for yourself. And I just want to give you a heads up. Today, if a pastor is talking, I wouldn't even believe him. Just, just off the rip. I know you all like, he didn't say that. I wouldn't. I would listen, that's it, and take notes. And then I'd go home and investigate for myself. But that's all I'm going to do is listen in church. It's not going to be true for me until I investigate it. That's the next step for you. All right, let's keep traveling. <clears throat> so knowledge or gnosis adds a different element, right? So the word according to vines means a seeking to know an inquiry, investigation. Whitecliff says it's an awareness through study and experience. See, that's, that's on your own. Uh, and then this knowledge uh, pertains to understanding the will of God, and the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. So this is where I heard it, but now hearing it is not enough for me. Epignosis is not enough. I have to understand how this works for myself. It's important that I've heard the series on marriage. I've heard the series on relationships, but that's not enough for me. I've got to understand it so it can work in my marriage. You all understanding that. Does that make sense? All right. So now, Go to Luke chapter 1, and let's look at verse 77. Luke chapter 1 is all about the lineage of Jesus Christ. Uh, His entire lineage uh, is really outlined in chapter 1. What he came through, who he came through. And then in verse 77, it really gets to why he is actually here, why God sent him, a real purpose for him being born. And it's such a powerful uh, verse here. It says, to give knowledge of salvation, to give knowledge of salvation. That word salvation is soteria. So he's talking about knowledge of how to be whole, knowledge of how to be delivered, knowledge on how to walk in divine hell. It's really talking about the entire package of salvation. Jesus came to give us knowledge on how that works so that we can understand and work it in our lives, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and then by the remission of sins. The word remission means to pardon. It means to forgive. We've got to understand, folks, that God is not mad at you. If you sin on your way to church today, God already forgave you of it. He's already pardoned you of that. He's not mad at you. He loves you. See, that's hard to receive. And he literally sent his son to remove it. The only reason I struggle with it is because I'm still aware of it. Once I get an understanding, I no longer struggle with something he's already delivered me from. Does that make sense to anyone in this room? It's just if I think I struggle with sin, I struggle with sin. It's just that simple. If I don't, I, I won't. All right. Go to Philippians chapter 3 and let's look at verse 8. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Now again, you've got to want to learn today. This will be no hooping, no hollering, no shouting. You've got to want to learn something today, right? Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Now uh, Paul here uh, writing to the church of Philippi after he described all of his successes in life. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee. I know the law. Frontwards and backwards. Look at what he goes on to say here in verse 8. He said, yet indeed, or really we'd say but, which means cancel out all of that. I also count all those things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish That I might gain Christ. So he said, All of my life accomplishments cannot be compared to my growth in Christ. Folks, you're heading somewhere when nothing in your life will matter more to you than your relationship with God. Folks, listen to me. You should know Jesus Christ better than you know your spouse, you should know Jesus Christ better than you know your children. You should know Jesus Christ better than you know your parents, right? And once you get that and you understand that, it's through that relationship that I can have a great relationship with my spouse, a great relationship with my children, a great relationship with my parents. Why? Because I begin to understand how a good relationship works because I'm seeing it through his eyes and not through mine. If I only look through mine, then I might treat my wife the way my father treated my mother. All my responses will be based off of my previous experience and how I was raised. I can't respond differently until I know differently. My grandmother used to say, boy, when you know better, you need to do better. So we are to add to our faith virtue, which is this desire to excel in what we believe. But then we've got to add gnosis or the information necessary To truly epignosis Jesus Christ. I got to dig a little deeper to make sure that I understand that I truly know Jesus Christ. See, believe it or not, with, with our children, you don't know whether or not they're listening to you until you evaluate whether or not they're doing what you ask them to do. Right? My brother, my son woke up on his birthday. I said, son, give me a gift on your birthday. Say said, what's that, Dad? Clean up your room. (laughs) Now watch this. Depending on what he does there, you can see what this relationship is all about. He blows that off, right? Never touches nothing. He sent me a message. Our relationship is not what I think it is. So why would I then release to him everything that I've already provided for him? Right? See, you don't spoil children by giving them things. You spoil them by not disciplining them. You give a kid something prematurely before he's earned it, he'll abuse it. Don't you think God has enough sense? Right? To not give a person $5 million who doesn't give him a penny? See, I knew nobody was going to say amen right there. But yet, most people are believing for $5 million. But they're believing for it without a relationship with the one who can give it. They're aware of him. They're acquainted, right? They don't understand. How do we know they don't understand? By what they do, not by what they say. Y'all getting anything out of this today? So now you see why he said add knowledge to this, right? So that you can know how to direct your faith and your desire to excel. It's in a person, not in things. See, if we just put half the energy, just imagine imagine how much time we spend on our cell phone. Just take a quarter of that time and spend that with God. How much different would our lives be? Because today the cell phone is a part of the hand. You almost have to cut a a kid's hand off to get that cell phone. You said adults too, huh? (laughs) All right, let's keep going. So God demands that his people have knowledge. God demands this. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Number 3, God demands that his people have knowledge. He expected this of Israel. Now, we lived in Michigan which was a huge Jewish population. We belonged to a Jewish community center. Well, we didn't belong there. It's where we went to go eat and, and different things. We belonged to a Jewish workout facility, right, Franklin, recreation facility, Franklin Fitness and Athletic Club. So all the rabbis would be in the locker room after working out, showering, but they would get, sit there with their towels on and have small groups is what I call them, but they were having studies. And they would start every single study in this real Hebrew dialect with this text right here. And they all could quote it, right? And, of course, I wanted to know. I asked a question to one of the rabbis that I'd become friends with because I couldn't understand what they were saying because they were saying it in Hebrew. And he said, before we ever study the Word of God, before we ever break the Word of God, we quote Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Let's read this together. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, The Lord is one, which is why they won't really, for those that still believe that way, believe that there's anything in addition to that It's because of this, because it's just one God. Jesus was just a, a good man or a prophet unless they become what's called a Messianic Jew. All right? But this is really why they won't go any further than the Pentateuch, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's amazing they've accomplished a whole lot with about five books about that big, and we got all of this. Just something to think about, right? They're committed to the little bit that they do know. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them. Very important here. Diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your head. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your houses and on your gates. If you notice here, what he's telling them is that the Word of God should be a part of your entire lifestyle. And he committed the parents to teach it to the children. Now, I want to say this publicly. We have an excellent children's church minister, Minister Carol Houston, doing a fine job with our young people. Let's thank God for our children's church department. (laughs) Fine job. But guess what, folks? It's not her responsibility to raise your children. If you bring them here to get the Word of God, you've done them a disservice. The church's job is to supplement, not raise We're like a vitamin, right? You've been eating good all week long. This is just to make sure and put on top of what you've been doing all week long. It's really all a vitamin should do. It shouldn't replace you eating vegetables. Somebody better say a stronger amen than that. I I said a vitamin shouldn't replace us eating fruits and vegetables. All right? And so that's all it should do. We've got a dynamic youth minister over there. I'm tell, I'm so I'm excited about this young man's upside, Nehemiah Ray. I'm excited about where God is taking him. <laughs> Tremendous upside. But his responsibility is not to raise your children. We didn't send our kids over there for him to raise them. Just simply supplement. So if you see in here, this is a holistic responsibility, and nowhere in here does it mention the church or the synagogue. All of this is supposed to happen at home, which means if you're waiting to get to church, you're too late. whole lot of life happened between last Sunday and this Sunday that you or your kids wasn't prepared for. All right. Let me tell you how important this is. If we don't confirm my kids and affirm my kids, then someone else will. So both my wife and I, for my son's 16th birthday, on Friday night, I had him all all to myself the whole day. And everywhere we went, I reminded him of who he was. And when we came home, I said, son, come on in the office for a minute. It's time for for me to do something for you. And I took him in there, and I opened up the scriptures to him from Genesis to Revelation, and I defined who he is as a man. I said, you are a man of God. You will not struggle with homosexuality. You will not struggle with fornication. You will not struggle with adultery. You are a young man of God, and God needs you. You won't struggle with drugs. You won't struggle with alcohol. I said, son, you're 16. Let me teach you when the right time to date. I said, son, dating is for the purpose of marriage. Let me walk you through the scriptures. Don't waste your time in the 10th grade, 11th grade, because you cannot get married. If you cannot get married, then don't spend the emotional energy on something that you're not prepared to take on in your life. Then I told him, it's your responsibility to manage the young lady's emotions, because they're going to like you. You're a handsome young man, but it's your job to tell them where you're at and who you are, and you're not ready for a relationship. I said, son, have friends, but do not enter into relationships until you're ready to pursue them for the purpose of marriage. And I went on and on and on and on about who he was and, and what he'll do. And and God needs him. And if, and if you, God needs you to be a voice to your generation or there'll be no truth in the land, there'll be no truth in your generation because God needs you. We don't need you after you leave this house. God is the one that needs you, son. And he's waiting and he's depending on you to rise up and be the man of God that he placed you in this earth to be. He desires godly seed. Listen to me. If we're not affirming our children and they then I laid hands on him. I had him stand up and I laid hands on him and I spoke that into his life. We hugged each other and listen, I kissed him on his cheek and I kissed him on his forehead and I said, son, I love you. And if you don't have anybody else in this world that will be there for you, be loyal to you and help you for the rest of your life, I'm telling you, your father will be there for you until I leave this earth. And we had a moment, and we hugged. Then his mother took him on the next night, and she affirmed him from the female side, and she spoke into him, and then she put a necklace around his neck, a purity necklace to commit himself to saving himself until he gets married. And nothing blessed me more than to see him come downstairs proud of that moment and showing me what was on his neck. Now, that's not guaranteeing, folks, he'll live any of that. But what it is guaranteeing is that as parents, we did our part. Now we have to trust God with the results. Because if you don't affirm and confirm your children, then you'll leave it up to young Jeezy to do it. I can't remember all these new rappers' names. What's uh Help me out. You got them all. No, i dog just messing with you. What's the one getting ready to get married right now? Uh, y'all already. Y'all know. Q, help me out. What's the one? Gucci Mane. Y'all, y'all. Right, if you don't, then they will, and then you'll wonder why they're walking around trying to look like them, because they're affirming them, and we're not. They're telling them who they are, Migos and and, and listen, I don't even understand what they're saying but them kids know. If you're not giving them something to compare that to, you don't have a chance. So God demands that his people have knowledge. He expects it of us today. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. It says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, We do not cease to pray for you, Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you'll walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work, and watch this, and increasing in your money. It's amazing. Every time we minister on increase, it's about money, isn't it? But that's not the most important thing you need to increase in. He's not praying for them to increase financially, is he? He's praying for them to increase in knowledge. Because if you increase in knowledge, finances are going to follow. See, You don't want the money without the relationship anyway. Because it's going to reveal more of who you are. See, I like to say it this way. If you were broke and you tricked in Motel 8's, you just your money was where you could trick at. But you give a trick $100,000, and they move from the Motel 6 to the Western. But still a trick. And eventually, the trick is going to move right back down to the Motel 6. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. See, I only want the money with the relationship. I don't want it without that. How many of y'all glad you came today? I know that's an urban example, but I think everybody here understands what I'm talking about, right? I got to be more diverse than my examples. God is displeased when we lack knowledge. I'm going to go through these quickly for time. So God is displeased when we lack knowledge. You know, we've all been told what you don't know won't hurt you, right? And the kingdom is the direct opposite. What you don't know destroys you. Hosea chapter 4 verse 1 says, hear the word of the Lord. This is prophecy. You children of Israel, for the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. Well, what is that charge, Lord? There is no truth or mercy or no knowledge of God in the land. God is upset because there's no knowledge of him in the land. He's holding the priest accountable. He's going to hold me accountable for what you know, what you don't know. He's going to hold parents accountable for what their children know or don't know. Verse 6, he says, my people are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I'll also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, now this is strong, I will also forget your children. So Now we understand why the next generation gets worse. Because the generation before it didn't teach him about God. See, I, when I was telling my son all of this, I, I said, son, I can't force you to live this. I just want to make sure you don't go through life saying you didn't know. So that's all I can do for you, son, is make sure that you know. Those choices after that are between you and God. Then I promised him, whichever choice you make, it'll never change my love for you. Whether you do or you don't, I'll love you to the end. It's just if you make the right choices, you're going to have my hand you make the wrong choices, you're going to be on your own with my love. (laughs) But I'm not paying for you to do wrong. So without knowledge under number four, all sincerity and zeal, all the sincerity and zeal in the world is in vain. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. I mean, a lot of people can be sincere, but you can also be sincerely wrong. Right? In Romans chapter 10, it says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer, verse 1, to God for Israel is that they may be saved, delivered. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And how many know it's dangerous to be on fire for God and not know why you're on fire? Right? Right? We, We see that all the time. Zoom, 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 running all over on fire for God. We think, and then we say, Well, what happened to such and such? We haven't seen them in about eight months, right? Well, well, they had a lot of zeal, but no knowledge, right? Because if they had knowledge, they'd never leave God. So it's dangerous to have a lot of zeal, but no knowledge. For they, verse 3, being ignorant, being ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness, which was from the law, have not submitted to the righteousness which is of God. See, they were uh, committed to making sure that they stuck with works which were by the law. What, what, what uh, Paul was trying to help them understand was that it was no longer according to works. It was according to faith. All you've got to do is believe under this dispensation. He says, "For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. So he's introducing a new law, the law of faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You're no longer the old, under the old law, you're under the new law of which is, which is a, of faith in Christ Jesus. So, since a knowledge of God and His will was so important, then how do we add knowledge, the knowledge which we add to our faith and to virtue, how do we add that? Well, one of the clearest ways, folks, it can only be found in the Word of God. Number five, we must be diligent in our search for knowledge. And I'm going to challenge you all before you leave today. We must be diligent in our search for knowledge. Jesus is the ultimate source of all knowledge. Does anyone in here believe that? He's the ultimate source of all knowledge. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We must be diligent in our search for knowledge. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. For as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So notice, all the treasure that you're looking for is in God and in Jesus Christ. Well, how do I diligently search for God? How do I diligently get to know God? Through the Old Testament. How do I diligently know Jesus Christ? Through the New Testament. Now, my pastor taught me that there are three dispensations. There are two testaments or wills. But there are three dispensations. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is what Apostle Price, one of the main things he always wants you to understand is teaching from the dispensation that you live in. It's important to him. It's important to me too. All right. And so the two testaments are the Old Testament or will and the New Testament. Believe it or not, biblically, the Old Testament goes from Genesis to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it goes from Genesis to John. Right, Because Jesus was still in the earth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that's really the Old Testament. A lot of people believe the New Testament begins at the book of Acts. But really the book of Acts is the second dispensation. Or the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the early church. And that is the book of Acts. Then the New Testament or the third dispensation begins at the book of Romans, which is the Age of Grace. Which is what we live in right now. So if you think about most of what we learned was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about faith. Right? But that's looking towards the cross. If you listen to what Peter is teaching, and really everything from Romans on is being taught looking back at the cross. So it's no longer about getting God to do something. It's about responding to what he's already done. Is everybody clear on that? That's so important. So if I want to learn about Jesus, then I've got to learn about him through what the apostles showed and taught us in the book of Acts, right? Acts of the early church, but then more specifically what they wrote about through uh, Romans, uh, through uh, Revelation. But I can also listen to what Jesus said himself in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Is everybody clear? Because if you actually listen to his teachings, he was actually pointing you to what was coming not what was. Is everybody clear? Did I say that slow enough? Right? He would even say things like, I only said this so you could hear. I already know my father answered me. Right? So he's actually pointing pointing us to what was coming. He was not trying to get us to live on what was. Then you've got to understand in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, since he's talking to Jewish, converted Jews in certain cases... He's got to talk their language, right? And because he had not left yet, a lot of it was still applicable for the time that he was talking to them. But you'll see a complete shift once you get to the book of Romans. You'll no longer see what you have to do to get him to do something. You'll simply see how you respond, and it's all about a relationship, not a book of rules. Everybody clear? All right, so the scriptures should direct our search. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 2 very quickly. The scriptures should direct our search. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Paul encouraging Timothy, he said, Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And notice, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word complete means mature. So the only thing that makes us mature is the Word of God. It's really the only thing that completes us and matures us and prepares us for every work that life will throw in our, uh, throw our way. Okay. Now let's look at second Timothy chapter two, verse 15. If you could put the King James version up on the screen, if you're able, second uh, Timothy chapter two, verse 15, you'll notice the new King James version says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Now I want you to listen very carefully. Look at the King James version. It says, study to show yourself. You don't study to teach. You study to live. You study to learn. You study for yourself. Let's go slow. Study to show yourself. See, a lot of people are trying to impress their pastor and impress people. End of the day, learn how to live for an audience of one. Study to show yourself approved by one person. And that's God alone. And if he approves you and everyone else doesn't, stay with God. I need to say that one more time. I said, if you study and he approves you and the whole world rejects you, stay with God. I'll say that one more time. If you study and he approves you and the whole world rejects you, stay with God. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. So so obviously then, if I study for myself, there'll be no shame in my life. See, if you only know what I tell you, you don't know much. But if you take home and study what I tell you for yourself, you'll have no shame in your life. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth for yourself, which listen to me, folks. See, a lot of church has made people dependent on the pastor. You know what they did in the Old Testament? The only one that could have the book was the priest. And it forced the people to be dependent on the priest. We brought a lot of that over in the church today. My man of God, that's my man of God, my apostle, my thank God for all of them because he gave some apostles, pastors. He gave all of that for us to grow. But how many know they're not responsible for our growth? Oh, you missed a good place to shout right there. Right, they point us in a direction. But we have to take the direction that they point us in, study it for ourselves, rightly divide it for ourselves, and then for ourselves determine whether or not it's true. And listen to me, folks. The Scripture says in the last days, the very elect will be deceived if it's possible. And it's going to shock you. Every time I sit under a man of God, I'm not learning I'm listening, and I'm taking notes so that I can go home, rightly divide it, and learn it for myself because I can't live off of his gnosis. I can only live off of mine. So I thank God for them. You understand? We, We need them. I thank God for them, but they're not responsible for me. I'm responsible for me. That's why he says, study for yourself. Let's keep going. Is making sense to anyone in here? Now, can you see why he would say, add to your faith virtue, but to your virtue knowledge, right? So you can understand not just why you're doing it, but who you're doing it for. We must possess the proper attitude in our search for knowledge. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll just read one. I'm pretty much running out of time. 1 Peter chapter 2. We must possess the proper attitude in our search for knowledge. 1 Peter chapter 2, let's read verses 1 through 3. It says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Say, lay all of that aside. You all are following closely today. I was just really saying what it said, and you all repeated what I said. Man, this is a good group in here today. Let's say it. I didn't really say it for you all to say it, but say lay all of that aside. All right, that's good. We having church today, right? So he says, don't just, what I love about God, he never tells you what not to do without telling you what to do. You ever notice that about God? That's a good parenting tip. Don't don't take stuff away and punish without instruction. So he says, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. This is what I love. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That word gracious means good. The word tasted means to try and experience. How many of you need to try and experience God for yourself? I'm so tired of hearing everybody else's testimony. I, you, at some point, you got to want to have a testimony on your own. Come on, somebody. Thank God for every testimony that we hear about debt-free and all of that. But, man, I want my own testimony. I want to try it. I want to experience it for myself. Why? Because if he did it for them Every time you hear a testimony, it should just inspire you that if they went from nothing to something, then I can go from nothing to something. Why? When I apply Gnosis, a diligent study and investigation on my own to understand how they got there. Say taste and experience for yourself that I'm good. Try me. Experience me for yourself. You're going to come out with the same conclusion every time. If you trust him with your money, you're going to see he's good. If you trust him with your health, you're going to discover he's good. If you trust him with your marriage, you're going to discover he's good. Marriage is good. That woman, that woman, 48 years old over there, looking like she's about 28. girl, make me want to just put some butter on you and sop you up like a biscuit. Where was I at in my message? He's good, right? He's good. Taste and experience and try for yourself, glory to God, and discover that he is good. Hallelujah. 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 Any area of your life, that you'll investigate for the purpose of understanding, you're going to taste and experience that he is good. And he's not just good some of the time. He's good all the time. All right. Number seven. Let's close here. Do we demonstrate that acquiring knowledge of God's word is a priority? We're going to close right here. Do we demonstrate That acquiring knowledge of God's Word is a priority. Do we demonstrate that? What does that look like? Do we make daily Bible reading and study a priority in our lives? Don't answer this question. When's the last time you opened up the book when you weren't in church? That tells you the level of priority that it has in your life. Right? Don't get condemned because you can start today by giving it a higher priority in your life two amens. I was just waiting on a third one. Okay, we're good. Do you make daily Bible reading and study a priority in your life? Let me give you some recommended online tools. These are the only tools that I use for study, okay? Let me give you these. They're, they're, they're right in your YouVersion Bible app notes, but just in case you're not following along there, let me give you this, these tools, right? Easy tools. One is called the Faith Life Study Bible. It's an app can cost you anywhere from $24.99 to $400. You can partner that with the Logos uh, Bible app, and every study, word, everything you need is really in those two tools right there. Powerful tools right there on your phone or on your tablet, whatever device you have. Powerful tools. Faith, Life, Study, Bible, partner that with the Logos Study Bible. Of course, you all know the YouVersion Bible app, right? That's what you're working with today. Great devotionals that are on there. Challenge yourself. I personally believe I got saved through an angel. I personally believe that with all of my heart. One of the things that the angel said to me upon leaving and walking off and walking into a field for me to never see this individual ever again, he left me with a book which was a 31-day experiment. The angel challenged me, to do it for 31 days. In that devotional was spending 15 minutes a day with God and going to church every single Sunday and Bible study on Wednesdays if the church offered that. Right? 31 days. I received that my sophomore junior year of college. I never did it, but I never forgot it. Right he had challenged me to spend 15 minutes in the Word. I'm sorry, 10 minutes in prayer and Word every single day with a little green Gideon Bible. If you went to college, you remember the little green Gideon Bible that they, they give you when you get on campus? A little green Gideon Bible is what he gave me. I would read that for 5 to 10 minutes and pray for 5 to 10 minutes, 5 days a week. All right? I'd take the weekends off because I had some other things to do. I didn't have full understanding. (laughs) But after I graduated from college, I never forgot that book. And then I came home and I said, while I'm looking for a job, I'm going to do this 31-day experiment. And, folks, my wife is sitting right here. Listen, man, I put everything I love on this. 20 years, have you ever seen me miss a date with God? And 20 years of marriage next month. She's ne- that first 30 days, folks, disciplined me for the rest of my life. First 31 days. You know why? Because for 31 days, I got to know God for myself. And every day I was having experiences with him that was showing me that he was who he said he was. And I haven't looked back since then. I'm telling you what the secret sauce is, folks. I'm giving you the secret recipe. Knowledge of God's will. Yes. Not just knowledge of it, but full understanding. Because if you understand it, then you can do it. Yes. 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 You version, go on there. They, they've got five-day studies, 10-day studies, 30-day studies. Whatever you need, 365 days. But do it. The eSword is where I get all of my Greek, Hebrew and commentaries for, from. It's another Bible app. It's called eSword. Anytime you hear me giving a Hebrew or Greek, reading from a, a commentary, nine times out of ten, that's where I'm reading it from. All of that is readily available right on your device. Now, just in case you're old school and you still want a Bible, a hardback cover, how many of y'all still just, you got to have a Bible, you got to have a book? Okay, that's, that's the majority. That's a lot of people in this service. Well, let me give you a tool. It's called the Thompson Chain. No, let me give you a better tool. Come up to the 21st century. That's a joke. It wasn't a good joke, but that was still a joke. <laughs> Listen, either one, come up, but bring your Bible with you. Bring them both. Get both of them. But everything I just described, instead of carrying five books, you can have one. And everything is right on there. But in case, you, that's, that works better for you. When I was a dean of a Bible school, we would tell every student to get what was called the Thompson Chain Reference Study Bible. Because it has word studies, character studies, subject studies, and devo- everything you need. Whatever study you want to do is, is in that study Bible. It's called the Thompson Chain Reference Study Bible. It's a great tool to get started with until you come up to the 21st century and get some of these <laughs> new tools. Okay? But it's all available to you. I might even, Minister Vincent gave me a great, excellent idea. I might even challenge all of us at some point. I'm not saying I'll do it tomorrow, but maybe we'll all pick one together, and we'll do it because you can share and group and encourage each other, right? Maybe we'll all challenge each other and do 30 days together. Wouldn't that be nice? And then we can encourage each other, check in on each other, congratulate each other. But here's my point. Get started. Today. Worst case scenario, get set up today so you can start tomorrow. All right? Go before him, get before him, let him lead you. All right? Do you utilize opportunities to study God's word alone and with others, right? Are you in a small group? Are you part of a dream team. The the beauty of the small groups is you get to learn on your own at home, but then you get to get with another group of people, and you all can study and encourage each other. Sometimes they've seen something that you didn't see. They learned something that you didn't learn. Put all that together, and we help each other because iron sharpens iron. We really desire, ultimately, that our dream teams get together before they serve and share a word of encouragement with each other and build each other up, right? Let that iron sharpen each other, and so study on your own, but also study with other people. Some of the best times we have in our marriage. is times when we're studying together for the purpose of growing our marriage or becoming better parents. Some of that's the most romantic stuff we could ever do with each other is to spend time in the Word of God together so we can get the devil out of this situation. At some point, you've got to realize, let's get him, let's me and you get together and let's get him out of here because we're not each other's enemy. We're husband and wife, but we have an enemy. Let's get him out, and let's us get together with God's Word so we can have victory. So important that you not just do it alone, but you do it with other people. All right. First Timothy chapter 4, I'm just going to quote these, okay? If you do this, your progress will be evident to yourself and to everyone you come in contact with. First Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, Paul told Timothy that if he continued then his progress would be evident to all he comes in contact with. Folks, if you'll just start today, I promise you, you look up one year from today, you won't even recognize yourself if you'll do this every single day. You won't recognize yourself in any aspect of your life. You will have grown so much in him. Okay. And then in James chapter 3, it's best seen in our relationships with other people. This is where we best know if we're growing or not. Uh, James chapter 3 talks about the wisdom that's from the world is always going to have strife, envy, and division in it, right? And so how many you know that didn't come from God? Anytime you see strife, God is not in it, right? And so you've got to learn quickly how to avoid it and not be around people that that's all they want to do is promote it. I don't judge them. It's just as soon as they start talking about people, I remove myself from it, right? And you've got to learn how to do that. And my wife and I, we've mastered we're not going to let you talk about her. You, you, you're not ever going to come talk to me about her. The first thing I'm going to tell you to do is bring her with you with, it, with anything you want to talk to me about relating to her. And that's exactly what she's going to do. I've learned how to do that with people, too, because they'll try to divide. You know how people are, right? Did you hear this about John? Did I hear what about John? Well, I heard that he did this and he did that. Well, well it sounds like that's between you and John. Why are you coming telling me about John, something that John did wrong? Sounds like that's between the two of you, so let's you, me and you go talk to John so you can tell John exactly what you just told me, and you and John can work that out together. Oh, no, that's all right. We don't need to do all that. I was only telling you so you could be aware. Sounds like you need to be aware and tell John because I'm a third party, so I don't know what you're talking about. But you see how people will stop all of that once they know that your, your ears are not a garbage dump. One of my greatest mentors, man, he's, If you can stay out of this, you're going to stay out of a whole lot of mess. So I've learned, hang around people who have your answers. Not share your problems. Love them, but they can't help you get to your next level. Keep them as friends, but make sure you get around some other friends or people who, who have your answers. I didn't get out everything I wanted to share with this group, but I want to close with this thought. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says that when you love instruction, you're going to always have knowledge. And those that don't like correction, the scripture says, are stupid. Proverbs 12, 1. And so when you love instruction, you're always going to make yourself available to knowledge. I'm just going to use one area of my life. Uh, this story has; it will stay with me because it's changed me for the rest of my rest. Of, it's just we were having our daughter, and financially, what I made as a youth pastor could not take care of me, my wife, and another kid. Well, I was making good money just for what we were trying to do; it it couldn't do it. And, and I was ahead of the curve because I knew we, when we were getting ready to have kids, and so we started investigating, and and, and we wanted some instruction on how to really create some additional income streams because I'm called, I want to be in ministry. So we, Lord leads us to some people we have favor with. They were deca-millionaires. Everyone know what a deca-millionaire is? That means you at least have 10 million, all right? And so I knew that they were rich when we pulled up at their house. We pulled up at the four-car garage, uh, which had a guest house on top of it. The next-door neighbor came home. He had a helicopter pad in the front of his house. He said, forget traffic. A helicopter picked him up, took him to work, and brought him back home. Then a golf cart came and picked us up where we had to park because it was too far to walk to get to the main house. So we jumped on the golf cart to get to the main house, right? They take us down in the basement, and they said, the assistant said that he's out on the lake on his boat and jet skis. He'll be in shortly. Have a seat. Now, how I many you know I'm getting ready to listen to everything he's getting ready to tell me? But this will shock you. He came in, my wife is sitting right here, he came in, sat down for about five minutes, and said that, that his time was money, and money was time, and he didn't have time to teach me everything that he knows. This is what he said, you go read these four books, and then come back if you have any questions. I felt disrespected. Right, Because of where my understanding was at the time. I'm, I'm expecting him to tell me how to do it. But what he was saying was, if you're serious about it, you'll go get it. So, see, he didn't want me wasting his time if I wasn't willing to do my own research. All y'all ain't ready for this. Well, make a long story short, folks. Two and a half years later, we paid off a quarter million dollars worth of debt. and We never went back to him again. With any follow-up questions because there were none and to help you all understand it this church is benefiting off those principles to this day everything that I learned back there is why we pay what we pay cash for the building we understand how to do it I, I, I can share something with you that's really powerful right here If you look at everything we lost in the previous situation understanding provided all of it again yeah. and better just three years later yeah. so if you'll love instruction it'll always lead you to knowledge mm-hmm. but notice is always going to correct you mm-hmm. and don't be stupid by not being willing to change Amen. if there's a higher place you want to get to Amen. you all get anything out of this today Praise God. Let's lift our hands. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. Let me let you all go today. Also, all stand to our feet. I want to challenge you all. And if you're willing, I want you to lift your hand unto God. How many of y'all would be willing to, to take the next 30 days or at least 30 days before this year is out and do a devotion or some kind of study, however the Lord leads you, for 30 straight days? How many of y'all would be willing to do that? Look around this room. Praise God for you. It will be one of the greatest gifts you've ever given to yourself this holiday season beyond coming to church. How many of y'all will commit to that, okay? All right, go to the YouVersion Bible app. Go to a good Bible bookstore. However God leads you because it's individual. Sometimes I think me doing the group thing, everybody will do what I do. Sometimes there's some specific things that God, you know where you're at. God knows where you're at, and you know where you need to get to. Where I'm at might not be where you're at. And so I want you to get before God and ask Him to lead you to one that fits where you're at, where you're trying to go for the next 30 days of your life. And now I want to pray for you. If you would, lift your hands to the Father. I want to pray and seal your commitment before God with this prayer. It's between you and God. It's not between me, you, and God. It's between you and God as to whether or not you do it or not. Here's the thing. Your progress will be evident to everyone if you do. You don't have to make any announcements. It will be so evident Because you did this before God. Father, I pray for every person who's made this commitment today. And I pray that virtue will come alongside of knowledge. And will give them a desire to excel for a minimum of 30 straight days. They won't miss a day, Father. They won't be distracted by children. Distracted by television. Distracted by friends. Distracted by spouse. Distracted by work. But they'll set up a schedule and set aside a time where they can meet you every day and have a date with you every single day. And Father, I'm trusting you to confirm your word in their lives with signs and wonders Follow, Allow them to taste and experience that you are good for themselves and give them a longing and a hunger and a thirst to never, ever not do that again in their lives. Father, we agree, we believe, we receive every time we pray, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Now, if you would, just look up here at me for a moment today. If you're in this building today, man, I want to give you the greatest invitation known to man. That is an invitation to become a part of the family of God by receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, man, it'll be the greatest gift of love you can give to yourself is by receiving the gift of Jesus Christ who died so that you could have everything. And so if you're in here today, you've never confessed with your mouth, believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the grave, you can be born again today. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I'm already born again, but I've gotten away from God. I've just allowed other people to get in my head. My thinking just got off. My behavior followed. I know God is not pleased with the way I'm, I'm living right now, He may not be pleased, but He never stopped loving you, and He never, ever forsook you in that situation. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. So if you want to repent today, get your mind right. Rededicate your thinking back to God. We want to help you with that today. You want to come back to Him today. Thirdly, if you've never been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, Bible evidence of praying in other tongues. You want to learn more about that gift today. I want to pray with and for you. And then finally, if you don't have a church home, Every sheep needs a shepherd. We believe this is a good church. It's a growing church. The leadership is growing. The people are growing. I want to challenge you today. If you don't have a church on, if this is not the one, then figure out which one is. But plant yourself somewhere so that you can flourish and you can help that church flourish in its assignment from God. But if God has confirmed that this is where he wants you to be then we'll be happy to receive you today. So now, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed in prayer, no one moving, no one talking, unless you've been assigned to do so. I gave four invitations today. First was to give your life to Christ. Second was to come back to Christ. Third was to be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Fourth was to join linked-up church today. I want to pray for you, but I'll only know that you desire my prayers by the lifting up of your hands. So if you want prayer today, would you shoot your hand straight up in the air lift it up? Keep it up as high as you possibly can. Is there anyone in the building like that today? You say, Pastor, I'm not.